0: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Narayanam nam Namaskritya Om narottama Om deviim vyasam Tato jaya Om jayamudiraye Nashtaprayesh badreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati uttama, shloke, bhagavati uttama shloke bhaktir bhavati naishtike reading from Srimad bhagavatam canto 1 chapter 12 chapter 12 is entitled birth of emperor parikshit text number 18 Sri rajoh vacha Apyeshavamshyan Rajarishin Punyashlokan Mahatmanaha Anuartitas Vidyashasa Sadhu Vadenasattamaha Sri Raja The All Good King Maharaj Yudhishthira Vacha said Api. Api Veda Eshaha e e this. this Vamshyan, Vamshyan, Vamshyan. Family Rajarishin Raja Of saintly kings, of saintly kings. Punya, Shlokan. Punya Shlokan Pious by the very name, the very name. Maha, Atmanaha. Maha Atmanaha All great souls, All great souls. Anuvartita. Anuvartita. Anuvartita Follower svet will it be, be? Yashasa by, by achievements sadhuva dena, sadhuva dena. by glorification, glorification. sattamāha o, o great souls Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupāda Translation The good king Yudhishthira inquired O great souls Will he become as saintly a king, as pious in his very name, and as famous and glorified in his achievements as others who appeared in this great royal family? Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The forefathers of King Yudhishthira were all great saintly kings, pious and glorified by their great achievements. They were all saints on the royal throne and therefore all the members of the state were happy, pious, well-behaved, prosperous and spiritually enlightened. Under strict guidance of the great souls and spiritual injunctions, such great saintly kings were trained up and as a result the kingdom was full of saintly persons and was a happy land of spiritual life. Maharaj Yudhishthira was himself a replica of his ancestors, and he desired that the next king after him become exactly like his great forefathers. He was happy to learn from the learned brahmanas that by astrological calculations the child would be born a first-grade devotee of the Lord. And more confidentially, he wanted to know whether the child was going to follow in the footsteps of his great forefathers. That is the way of the monarchical state. The reigning king should be a pious, chivalrous devotee of the Lord and fear personified for the upstarts. He must also leave an heir apparent equally qualified to rule over the innocent citizens. In the modern setup of the democratic states, the people themselves have fallen to the qualities of the Shudras or less, and the government is run by their representative who is ignorant of the scriptural mode of administrative education. Thus, the whole atmosphere is surcharged with Shudra qualities manifested by lust and avarice. Such administrators quarrel every day among themselves." The cabinet of ministers changes often due to party and group selfishness. Everyone wants to exploit the state resources till he dies. No one retires from political life unless forced to do so. How can such low-grade men do good to the people? The result is corruption, intrigue and hypocrisy. They should learn from the Srimad Bhagavatam how ideal the administrators must be before they can be given charge of different posts. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport. The Srimad Bhagavatam is especially meant for the people of Kali Yuga. Kalau nashtad puranarko adhunoditaha This Purana has risen like the sun to dispel the dense darkness of this age of Kali. So, Bhagavatam describes the wonderful qualities and characteristics of the Supreme Lord in his various incarnations, as well as the wonderful qualities and characteristics of the great devotees of the Lord. Hmm. Bhagavata means in relationship with Bhagavan. So, the devotees are always situated in their eternal relationship with Bhagavan. So they are called Bhagavata. This book, Bhagavata, also is simply describing everything about Bhagavan. And Bhagavan means he is never without his devotees. So it describes also the devotees. Here is a description of the birth of Parikshit Maharaj. The sages of Naimisharanya have assembled in that holy place to inquire from Suta Goswami about subject matter concerning Krishna. Yet Krita Krishna samprasno yenatma suprasidati. Their questions pertain to Krishna and therefore Suta Goswami, the speaker, is telling That your questions are uh, glorious, because they are meant for the welfare of the whole world. Munaya sadhupriṣṭoham bhavadbir loka mangalam Questions pertaining to Krishna are meant for the Mm. welfare of the entire world. Why? Because Krishna is meant for the welfare of the whole world. He is meant for the welfare of the whole world. Krishna declares in the Bhagavad Gita, I am the topmost well-wisher of every living being. Surda Sarva Bhutana. And the devotees, pure devotees of Krishna are described in the Bhagavatam as Surda Sarva Dehinam. They are also the topmost well-wishers of every living being. So both the Lord and his devotees, they are full of wonderful qualities. They are meant for the welfare of the entire world. So inquiry about the Supreme Lord is uh, meant for the welfare of the entire world. So here is a description of the birth of Emperor Parikshit, When Sutta Goswami saw. That the sages of Naimisharanya. Are eager to hear about Krishna. So. After answering their initial six questions. In the beginning of the Bhagavatam. In the beginning of this canto. Then Sutta Goswami says. Now I shall. Describe to you. The. Bhagavatam as a conversation between Shukadeva Goswami and Parikshit Maharaj which I heard when Shukadeva Goswami spoke to Parikshit Maharaj the very same Bhagavatam I shall now make you hear so the sages were very happy but they said before you begin describing that conversation kindly answer some more questions, kindly describe the birth and activities of Maharaj Pariksit. So, in response to that, Sutta Goswami is describing the birth and activities of Emperor Pariksit. The birth is described in the 12th chapter. And the activities are described in 16th and 17th chapters of this canto. So here, describing the birth of Emperor Parikshit, even before he was born, he was protected in the womb of his mother by Krishna himself. Personally, Krishna protected the child in the womb because there was a threat to the life of the child by one Ashwatthama. Ashwatthama tried to please his master, Duryodhana, by trying to kill the Pandavas. And instead of killing the Pandavas, he mistook the sons of the Pandavas, whose face resembled the Pandavas the five sons of Draupadi, Uh, Draupadi had one son through each of her husbands, five husbands. So the five sleeping sons of Draupadi were killed by Ashwatthama, mistaking them to be the Pandavas. And when Ashwatthama came to know that he had not killed the Pandavas, but the sons of the Pandavas, he somehow was uh, desperate to try to please Duryodhana uh, by doing some uh, something which will please Duryodhana. So he thought that let me kill the only surviving descendant of the Pandavas and that is the child in the womb of uh, uh, the 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 wife of Abhimanyu. Abhimanyu was killed in the battle. So Abhimanyu's uh, child in the womb of his in the womb of Abhimanyu's wife Ashwatthama attempted to kill the child by releasing a Brahmastra. A Brahmastra is an irresistible weapon. Nobody can counteract the Brahmastra. Generally. And the Brahmastra, when aimed at a particular target, will go searching for the target, wherever the target may be. Just like Ashwatthama aimed this Brahmastra at the child in the womb of the mother, the particular person. So, the Brahmastra will go searching for that person. So, that is the power of mantra weapon. Transcendental, uh, sorry, not transcendental, uh, materially uh, empowered subtle sound. It is a subtle sound, vibration and it has got very, very specific power. This Brahmastra has got the power to destroy one entire universe. One entire universe can be destroyed by the Brahmastra. And what is this Brahmastra? It is just one mantra uttered by a qualified Brahmana. So that Brahmastra, which was released by Ashwatthama to kill specifically this child Parikshit, Parikshit's mother, Uttara, she was also spiritually advanced so she could make out that Brahmastra is coming to actually destroy the embryo the child in the womb in her womb so she approached Krishna because she was a devotee of Krishna immediately she approached Krishna by prayer and what did Krishna do? immediately responded to her prayer entered her womb and protected the child nullified the influence of the brahmastra so parikshit was protected in the chi- uh, in the in the womb of his mother by krishna personally so parikshit had a brief glimpse of the darshan of krishna who appeared in the womb to protect the child so after he was born He was constantly examining everyone to see is this the person who saved me in my mother's womb? Is this the person I saw? So he became known as the examiner Parikshit. That's how he got the name. So simply by remembering the Lord whom he saw in his mother's womb And examining everybody, searching for that Lord. He wants to again have darshan. So, always he was Krishna conscious. He was always Krishna conscious. So, the birth and activities of that Parikshit Maharaj are very, very glorious. So, that is being described... At the time of his birth, Yudhishthira Maharaj had learned brahmanas do all the samskaras, jatakarma, Namakarana. so many samskaras are there. So the first one, when the child comes out of the mother's womb, is jatakarma, preparing the uh, birth chart, horoscope, jataka, and uh, Based on this preparation of horoscope, learned brahmanas can tell the future of the child, and Yudhishthira Maharaj is very anxious to know about the future of this child. So he is—he was told before this verse. It is said the learned brahmanas. Uh, said, this spotless son has been restored by the all-powerful and all-pervasive Lord Vishnu. Spotless child. Uh, by birth itself, he is a pure devotee of the Lord. He was saved and he was doomed to be destroyed by an irresistible supernatural weapon. And then, for this reason, the child will be known in the world as one who is protected by the personality of Godhead. Vishnu Ratha, another name for this Parikshit Vishnu Ratha one who is protected by Vishnu the personality of God there is no doubt that this child will become a first class devotee and will be qualified with all good qualities simply by saying he will be a first class devotee it means that he will have all good qualities so this is statement of the Bhagavatam. Yasyasthi bhakti bhagavati akinchana sarvair gunaistatra samasate suraha. If somebody is an akinchana devotee, a pure devotee of the Supreme Lord, Yasyasthi bhakti bhagavati, devotion to the Supreme Personality of Godhead Bhagavan. And what kind of devotion? Akinchana. Akinchana means one whose possession is only the Supreme Lord. Otherwise, he is possessionless. Akinchana means without any possessions. Literally, it means somebody who is completely poverty stricken. But that's not the sense in which this word is used when it applies to devotees. It is used in the sense that devotees don't have value for any of their possessions. But they only value that they have Krishna with them. Krishna is their only possession. Krishna is their only possession. So such a devotee, the Bhagavatam says, "Yasyaasti Bhakti Bhagavati Kinchana. Sarvair Gunais Tattra Samasate Suraha All the good qualities that are to be found in different demigods, different devatas. Demigod, devata means divine quality, of divine quality. So there are so many divine qualities that any person can possess, one with divine qualities can possess, and generally. All the divine qualities are not to be found in one person. All divine qualities are not to be found in one person. Except, there is a pure devotee of Krishna. Only in a pure devotee of Krishna, will there be all the divine qualities which are normally found in different demigods. Different qualities found in different demigods. Different saintly persons. So, since Parikshit Maharaj is described as he will become a first class devotee of the Lord, therefore, he will be qualified with all good qualities. Sarvair is tatra samasate suraha. Now what is the meaning of what is the significance of this that is qualified with all good qualities this is explained in the bhagavad gita krishna says in the beginning of the fourth chapter imam vivasvate yogam Proktavanaham avyayam i spoke this science of yoga to the sun god vivaswan what is the significance of krishna speaking to the sun god Vivasvan, the science of yoga, or the science of Bhagavad Gita. Millions of years back, he is telling Arjuna, the history of this Bhagavad Gita. So, particularly, Krishna chose Arjuna, because Arjuna was a Rajarshi. And, to a Rajarshi. Arjuna, Krishna was not speaking Bhagavad Gita for the first time. He had already spoken the Bhagavad Gita to the Rajarshi, the sun god. Vivaswan, saintly king. Raja, king, who is Rishi, having saintly qualities. Saintly king, Rajarshi. then krishna says vivaswan manave praha manurikshwa kave brivit then the sun god vivaswan he spoke the same bhagavad gita he taught this bhagavad gita to his son vaivasvata manu and vaivasvata manu taught this bhagavad gita to his son ikshvaku ikshvaku happened to be the first uh, ruler Of this earth planet uh, in the Suryavamsha line of kings, those descending from the sun god, the sun dynasty. And evam parampara praptam. In this way, the parampara of Rajarshis, that means. The saintly kings beginning from the sun god through the chain of saintly kings this uh, knowledge is coming down evam parampara praptam imam rajarsayo viduhu. The saintly kings were all uh, knowledgeable about this Bhagavad Gita as it was passed down from father to son in that chain of uh, saintly kings but unfortunately due to the influence of Kala Sakali Neha Mahata Yogo the knowledge the science of yoga which was instructed by Krishna and which is coming down in this Rajarshi Parampara due to the influence of time it was lost The knowledge was lost. And therefore Krishna says, Saivayam mayatetya yoga prokta puratanaha. The same yoga, signs of yoga. Now I am going to speak to you. Why? me sakha ceti rahasyam metaduttamam. Because you are my devotee. So all these saintly kings, they were devotees of Krishna. They were devotees of Krishna. So Krishna has got a purpose uh, to speak this Bhagavad Gita especially to saintly kings because they are meant to rule the world according to the principles taught by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. So The saintly king's administration should be based on the scriptural injunctions, the shastric injunctions. So, if a king has to administer according to shastric injunctions, the king has to be trained in the relevant uh, scriptural injunctions. Training is required. So, Parikshit Maharaj, Yudhishthira and all the other saintly kings, the predecessors of Yudhishthira in the Kuru dynasty were all trained in how to administer the kingdom according to the scriptural injunctions. So that the purpose of Life, human life especially, can be achieved by the people when they are ruled by such a saintly king. So here Yudhishthira is inquiring about Parikshit that will he become as saintly a king as the predecessors, as the predecessor kings in this dynasty. Were all great saintly kings. Will he be as pious in his very name? Simply by his name. Will he live up to his name? As a Rajarshi. As a great king. Formerly the name was given. Uh, which was very very meaningful. And the name was not just having a nice meaning but also the person would be actually living up to his name, person would be living up to his name. So for that purpose the astrologers would actually, the learned Brahman at the time of birth would prepare the birth chart and indicate the good qualities of the child as born. And based on those good qualities, the name would be given. And it's not just the birth alone, which is ensured by the parents, by following the scriptural directions, how to beget a good child. sat so there is a that's a, that's a whole science Garbādhāna samskara the parents uh, follow this uh, system of uh, uh, purification cultural purification for begetting good children uh, children with good qualities um, saintly in behavior so uh, Not only that parents have to follow the samskaras but they also should be responsible to train the child so that the child will grow up to be a very good uh, charactered person full of good qualities, divine qualities. So the parents have to train up also. So, Yudhishthira was anxious to know whether this uh, Parikshit will be as pious in his very name. Hmm? He will live up to his uh, name as very, very pious. All his actions will be pious actions. No sinful actions. Hmm? Then, will he be as famous as the others who appeared in this great royal family? As famous, famous for what? Famous for his uh, uh, great actions, perfect uh, actions as the king, as the ruler of the citizens. Uh, Will he become famous as a great ruler who is very properly ruling the whole kingdom and will he be glorified in his achievements that means when he administers will it be effective in directing the people to achieve their ultimate goal of life will he be able to rule the people in such a way that they all become uh, good devotees And they all prepare themselves in this life to achieve the ultimate goal of going back to Godhead. That's what the whole Bhagavad Gita is talking about. Uh, Krishna is talking about uh, practicing yoga for ultimately achieving the goal of uh, going back to Godhead. Achieving the, the goal of attaining the kingdom of God that is why Krishna is speaking Bhagavad Gita that's the goal of human life so um, Yudhishthira is anxious about having a descendant who will be able to continue able to continue the good administration as was done by the predecessor kings, and as is being done by himself now. By inquiring in this way, it is understood that Yudhishthira himself was actually, uh, it is said here by Prabhupada in the purport, Maharaj Yudhishthira was himself a replica of his ancestors. In what way? That they were all great kings who were pious, who were saintly, who were famous and who were glorified for their achievements, for perfectly ruling the citizens, so that the citizens could be uh, happy, pious, well behaved, prosperous and spiritually enlightened. What is the result of having a Rajarshi ruling over a kingdom? The citizens will be having these five benefits due to such a rule. The citizens will be happy. First of all, everybody will be happy. It is described in the Mahabharata. When Yudhishthira was ruling, people would not close their doors for security reasons. No need to close the door. Because everyone was prosperous and happy. So who will come and steal your possessions? There is no need for anybody to steal like that. So people were happy when Yudhishthira Maharaj is ruling. Hmm? And then people will be pious under the rule of such a Rajarshi. Pious means they will not do any sinful activity. Neither they will commit sin out of ignorance, nor they will commit any sin out of desperation. They will not be uh, deprived of their basic needs. Hmm? Not just that they will have the minimum required needs, but they will be prosperous. They will be prosperous. There will be prosperity for everyone, not just some section of the people. Everyone in the kingdom will be prosperous. And they will be well behaved. That means everyone will be trained up in good behavior. It is not by chance that people are well behaved, no. They are trained up in proper behavior. So the king ensures that there is proper training, there is proper engagement for everyone in the whole kingdom. And as Prabhupada says here, such kings will be fear personified for the upstarts. If there is some rebellious character, the king will actually deal with him in such a way that he will really be afraid of doing anything wrong. So the king will uh, severely punish such upstarts. So nobody dare even attempt uh, to do any mischief. So such a king when he is ruling, people are naturally well behaved. They are prosperous and above all They are all spiritually enlightened. Without being spiritually enlightened, they will not aim to go to the kingdom of God. That requires spiritual enlightenment as a goal of life. So, uh, this is ensured by having spiritual education for everyone in the whole kingdom, for all the citizens. So, the uh, the uh, kingdom was organized systematically by the king. So, how it was done is described in the Srimad Bhagavatam. In the lives of great uh, saintly kings. It is described. Bhagavatam describes that. So here it is said. That. uh, If the king is a Rajarshi, Then people will be happy. They will be prosperous. They will be well behaved. They will be pious. And they will be spiritually enlightened. So, this is the ideal. Now, it is described that this Parikshit will be a first class devotee of the Lord. The uh, devotee has all good qualities. What does it mean? That means a devotee can act as a Brahmana or as a Kshatriya or as a Vaishya or as a shudra, as required. Otherwise, if somebody is not a devotee, then according to guna, he has to act, or perform his uh, duties, or engage in a particular occupation. This division into varanas of the society, Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, is based on gunas acquired nature by birth in this material world there is acquired nature some are sattvic, some are rajasic some are tamasic, some are mixed rajasic and tamasic so accordingly there are different occupations but a devotee he is above the gunas he is transcendental to the gunas maam chayo avyabicharena bhaktiyogena sevate sagunan samatityaitan gunatita a devotee is gunatita a pure devotee is gunatita so if there is a pure devotee he can fill in the need for any post any position he can do that Krishna says this in the 4th chapter of Bhagavad Gita Chaturvarnyam mayasrushtam guna karma vibhagasaha. Krishna only has given these uh, four divisions, social divisions, Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, based on guna. And corresponding to that guna, there will be karma or occupation. Quality and occupation, acquired nature and occupation. But he says, Tasya kartaram apimam. Vidhi akartaram avyayam says even though I am the creator of the system I don't belong to any of these four divisions. Akartaram He doesn't belong to any of these divisions. Why? Because Krishna has all the qualities required for all the Ideal, uh, ideal person for a particular occupation or a particular duty to be performed. Uh. Similarly Krishna's devotees, they also have all good qualities. So they can also act. They are also above these uh, divisions of four Varanas. So devotee is not a Brahmana or a Kshatriya or a Vaishya or a Shudra but he can act as required. The example is given, Parishvarama was born in a Brahmana family as a son of one great Jamadagni, one Rishi. But when he saw that all the kings have become completely Uh, rogues and thieves, plunderers. So he decided to kill all these kings. Because he was the incarnation of the Supreme Lord, his killing is not exactly killing. His killing is actually delivering them, liberating them, purifying them. So what did he do? He took up one, Axe, parachute. Parachute means one axe. And he simply went round wielding the axe and chopping off the heads of all these miscreant kings. 21 times he went round the earth. Because he was going at such a speed, killing all these kings. That some will escape. Some will remain somewhere hiding. When they come to know he is coming. So nobody should be left. None of these miscreants should be left. In fact the Bhagavatam says. He made this surface of the earth. Nikshatram. No kshatriyas were remaining. Practically all the kshatriyas were dead. And Parshurama went. Round 21 times killing all these miscreant kshatriyas. So, he was actually doing brahmanical duty. But when he saw there is a need for a kshatriya who will teach all these nonsense kshatriyas, miscreant kshatriyas, that this is not the way to rule. So, he decided to deliver them By killing all of them. So he acted as a Kshatriya even though he was born as a Brahmana and he was doing Brahmanical duties. Similarly, Vishwamitra, he was born as a Kshatriya, he was doing the work of a Kshatriya very nicely. But when he became spiritually enlightened, he acted as a Brahmana, he became a a, a Brahmarshi by severe austerities, performed severe austerities became a Brahmarshi. Hmm. So somebody can transcend, transcend the, the, the particular qualities acquired nature by becoming devotees by becoming devotees so devotee does not belong to any particular division he is transcendental to all such divisions and a devotee can act in any capacity as required so uh, therefore he is very anxious to know Yudhishthira is anxious to know because he wants to leave behind him as a responsible king. Not only he himself is ruling perfectly, but the next king, the successor, will also be qualified, will also be having the good qualities uh, as Yurishtira had, or all the predecessor kings had. So it's anxious to have such a uh, such a descendant so therefore is inquiring and as will be described in the next few verses uh, Parikshit they predicted will have all these great qualities of the saintly kings will display all the great qualities he will rule exactly as the predecessor uh, Rajarshis so he will be the ideal king That they are going to say about the future of this child. So Prabhupada says, in the modern setup of democratic states, the people themselves have fallen to the qualities of shudras or less. A shudra quality means uh, they are too much affected by two uh, disqualifications. uh, Kama and Lobha. That is the effect of, too much of, Rajoguna and Tamoguna. In the Bhagavatam, in the uh, first canto, second chapter is described that uh, by regularly hearing Krishna katha, Shrinvatam svakatha krishnaha kirtanaha, One becomes purified. Hridhyanta stohi abadrani vidhunoti. Simply by hearing regularly Krishna Katha, one can purify one's heart of all the bad qualities. All the bad qualities will become cleansed away. And it is said, Tadā bhāva cheta Due to the influence of Rajoguna and Tamoguna, whatever the bad qualities that are there in the heart, they'll all be vanquished. As one keeps on hearing Krishna katha and purifies the heart. Sthitam sattve prasidati When this uh, characteristic of Rajoguna and Tamoguna especially Kama and Lobha. Kama is lust. Lust means the intense desire to satisfy one's senses by all means. That is exactly the meaning of the word Kama here. It is natural for any person to have desire. But to desire sense gratification is the uh, is the mistake, is the dangerous thing. Hmm. Kamasyana Indriya preeti Bhagavatam teaches that yes, desire is natural, but don't desire sense gratification because sense gratification can never really satisfy you can never really give you the happiness you are seeking it is by self realization that you can really become happy and satisfied so you should desire self realization not sense gratification as for satisfying the senses is concerned that sense satisfaction is available for every creature regardless of its position. This indriya Tripti is available for every creature, even for the people living in hellish conditions. This is what Bhagavatam says. Even those living in hellish conditions are able to experience some sense satisfaction. Even the most abominable conditions, just like you can see, The hog. The pig. It enjoys eating rubbish. Stool. It enjoys eating. What is the proof that it is enjoying eating? It becomes fat. And freely indulges in sex. Without any restriction. So it's happy. In one sense. It's happy. It's enjoying life. But somebody with little enlightenment, little developed consciousness, like a human being, can see what an abominable life that is. Even though there may be some kind of satisfaction and some kind of happiness in its uh, living style. But a human being will consider it as very, very abominable. So similarly, When somebody becomes spiritually enlightened, they will see that all types of, all facilities for sense enjoyment is abominable compared to the happiness and satisfaction we are entitled to as spirit soul, as spiritual beings, by executing spiritual life. What is it you are entitled to? you are entitled to unlimited happiness, Brahma Sukha. And that Brahma Sukha is not this senses and sense objects coming in contact and producing some sensation. No. It is real happiness which is unending, anantam, which is of a different quality that it comes completely satisfies the self it leads to your satisfaction of your core being innermost self not some satisfaction of the external senses or external mind or external intelligence, no so you are entitled to that and that's what you are seeking that's why when you get some external satisfaction you are not really fully satisfied Your searching or seeking happiness does not stop in any position you can see any pos- person in this world who is having any grade of material happiness do you see that person has stopped searching for happiness that I got the ultimate happiness no, nobody is there like that who is materially happy and you can say I have achieved ultimate happiness and I am completely happy. I don't have to seek happiness anymore. No. Only that is to be found in transcendentalists. And what kind of transcendentalists? Those who are devotees. Those who are devotees. So that is also described in the Bhagavad Gita. Sukham matyantikam tikam buddhigrahyam matindriyam chalati tatvataha. One who is situated in truth, fixed in truth, knowledge of the truth, that is knowledge of Krishna, one who is fixed in Krishna consciousness, only such a person can have that atyantika sukha, the ultimate happiness, the highest happiness, Brahma sukha. So that is what we are entitled to. So when you are spiritually enlightened, you come to know what you are entitled to, what you are seeking, what you are really seeking. And then you will see all these material pleasures as tucham. A spiritual enlightened person sees all varieties of material happiness available in this world as very, very insignificant, very, very low class, abominable then there is no need of artificially trying to control the senses, abstain from bad activities, sinful activities. No, there is no need. Because one automatically becomes uh, completely mm, averse to such sinful activities, no longer desires any such material happiness or material satisfaction, instead seeks The real spiritual happiness and satisfaction in devotional service. So that's why people become automatically pious when they are spiritually enlightened. Because they know what's the grade of this material happiness and material possessions and material achievements. It's all useless. So they automatically become pious. What way pious? They will only perform spiritual activities. spiritual activities which are all necessarily only pious material activities can be pious or impious but spiritual activities are 10% pious material activities pious activities can give you sometimes happiness sometimes can give you even distress but spiritually pious activities guaranteed spiritual happiness there's nothing like spiritual distress The opposite number doesn't exist. So guaranteed pious, guaranteed achievement of the ultimate happiness is there in spiritual life. So therefore Prabhupada says that uh, as a result of such Rajarishi's ruling, according to scriptural directions, the kingdom was full of saintly persons. Everybody becomes saintly. When they lead spiritual life, uh, Then they become saintly. Everybody becomes saintly. And then the kingdom was full of saintly persons and was a happy land of spiritual life. Everybody is pursuing spiritual happiness. So they are leading a spiritual life. So they are naturally very happy. Even before one can achieve real spiritual happiness there is a state of being situated in uh, the uh, normal natural condition of being spirit soul, joyful, sat Our nature as spirit soul is Sat Chit Ananda. Sat means everybody is eternal being for the soul, for the real you, there's no death. Your life is eternal. You are eternal being. Chit means you are full of knowledge. You know who you are. You know what is this world. You know who is God. You know what is your relationship with God. That is your normal natural condition, position. And then Ananda. Naturally you are happy. When you have knowledge and when you have eternal life, you are naturally happy. But then there is something higher in devotional service, in interacting with the Supreme Lord in your relationship with Him, performing devotional service. That happiness is something above the normal state of being peaceful and happy. There is happiness due to peace perfect peace, when there is no longer the influence of Rajoguna, Tamoguna, no agitation of the mind, no sinful reactions, no sinful activities, no ignorance, so that is natural condition of happiness due to peace of mind, perfect peace, but beyond this peace there is another happiness. That is devotional happiness. So in the uh, uh, in the nectar of devotion in the Bhakti Rasam Sindhu written by Rupa Goswami, he says devotees know there is three kinds of happiness. Those are non-devotees there are only two kinds of happiness. Material happiness and spiritual happiness. Devotees know that there is material happiness, there is spiritual happiness and third kind of happiness, devotional happiness. The happiness of devotional service. Now that is possible only after coming to the Brahmabhuta state. The condition of perfect peace. When you are self-realized, you realize who you are. You realize who is God and you realize what is your relationship with him. Hmm? Your relationship is one of devotional service, devotional love with Krishna. Krishna is the Supreme Lord and you are his devotee eternally. So, in that condition, devotional service, proper devotional service begins. So, in that devotional service there is devotional happiness. When Krishna reciprocates with you for your having rendered him devotional service, Krishna gives you his love. That is what we are entitled to ultimately. Not even this perfect peace resulting in uh, in, in in happiness due to peace no not even that that is also falling short of what we are ultimately entitled to beyond brahma sukha hmm, there is uh, ananda premananda premananda hmm, the happiness due to experiencing love of Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu distributed this premananda through the chanting of Hare Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, just chant Hare Krishna and if you perfect this chanting of Hare Krishna, you can experience Krishna prema, reciprocation from Krishna. Hmm? Which is otherwise not easy. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made, Prabhu made it very easy. So, this is explained by Prabhupada in the purport, that uh, people who are full of lust and greed, you know, because most of the people are like that, they elect their own representative who is also similar quality. And such a representative is not enlightened spiritually. He himself is not satisfied and peaceful and happy. So he will also seek material happiness in ignorance or out of lust and greed. He will not be able to properly rule the citizens. He doesn't himself know what is the goal of life so how can he lead the citizens towards the correct goal of life. So people can't expect any good from such administrators. So ultimately people have to become themselves devotees and elect, because the system is democracy, most of the places in the world. So, elect a devotee as a ruler. Then you can expect good administration, you can expect proper guidance, you can expect, expect all the good things. So, that is what Prabhupada tells here. I'll stop here.